Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz, and today I will be your host. I'm so excited that you are joining us on this podcast. We believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. And so we hope that you're encouraged to speak with people. You breathe life into them and not to speak at people. You breathe destruction into them. And really, for every leader, the choice is yours. Uh, Healthy communication or unhealthy communication. So whether that's one-on-one on a team, from a stage or from a screen, we all get that, that, that opportunity, that opportunity to choose if we're gonna speak with people or at them. So we hope this time encourages you, inspires you, challenges you, and <clears throat> helps you understand that your words matter and you have this incredible opportunity to choose words that breathe life into the world. Well, today's podcast, we are diving into just an incredibly important topic. We're in uh, our series right now we're talking about communication, healthy communication in marriage and families. And today we're talking about parenting communication, how we communicate uh, with our spouse as a parent, how we communicate with our kids, how we teach our kids how to communicate in healthy ways. Uh, parenting, as you know, in 2023 is incredibly different and has its own challenges from possibly parenting in other generations. And so kids today know so much more than what's happening in the world, than even my generation, as I grew up in the 80s, uh, past generations only had to communicate face-to-face. Nowadays, we're raising kids who are learning how to communicate via text message and Snapchat and apps and their iPad and a litany of other things. So how can parents make sure that they're actually focused on communicating with each other in healthy ways? What are the best practices to communicate with our kids? How, how can we teach our kids to communicate in healthy ways? So today, I am so excited because we have a, a hero of mine who I have looked uh, to his leadership for many, many years. And so we're excited to have Dr. Jim Burns on the podcast. I've admired him, especially from being a young pastor where I used many, many of his resources and now where I get to have this uh, incredible conversation with him. So uh, Jim, thank you so much for being on the podcast and welcome. Jason, I'm glad to be here. And, you know, I did a little uh, looking at your website. It's wonderful. i become a fan. So great job. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. Hey, just for our listeners, in case they don't know uh, who you are, could you give us just a little bit of your your story, who you are, what you do, your family, all that kind of stuff? So I've been married to Kathy for 48 years and we got married one week after college graduation. I do not recommend that, but we did that. Back then that was like cool to do. And uh, I've got three daughters. Um, They're all grown. They're in their thirties. No hormones or drama growing up, of course. That was sarcastic. Lots of hormones <laughs> and drama growing up. Um, and they are all married. And I have three grandchildren. And I wow. got to spend last weekend, I got to spend um, the time with all of them in Palm Desert. So it was, you know, in the high 70s. Now, again, you live in Florida, so you people get that. But I was telling you, I'm, you know, I'm off to Minneapolis this week. And uh, it's a little colder there right now. But wonderful. Um, what we, and we say about our family, it's actually to quote Disney, this is my family. It may be small. It may be at times broken but it's still good. Mm. Uh, and then, well, yeah, it's still good. And so, you know, we don't feel like we have the perfect family, but part of the, of our story is that moving from kind of, uh, what I call, um, you know, a dysfunctional family background, mine and my wife, Kathy's to, uh, trying to be the transitional generation. So that's part of our deal. And communication is a major part of that. Mm. Well, goodness. Well, so today, as we talk about, you know, uh, our communication with our parenting, you have been investing in families and marriages for many years. 
I'm just curious, you know, why, like what, what was the catalyst for you to kind of invest this much time and energy, you know, into marriages and families? Right. Well, you know, it's funny. My, my brother played for the Chicago White Sox and I thought I was going to go his direction. Uh, I don't really look like a baseball player and I, I was (laughs) actually okay, but, um, I made a faith commitment when I was young Mm. and at 15 years old. And from then on, I wanted to be a youth pastor, nothing else. And I, I even remember you and I were talking about Doug Fields, a mutual, you know, friend of ours. And, um, and Doug, I could, he was my intern at the time and the, the parents would drop off the kids and I'd go, Whoa, what we need to do is have the kids drop off the parents. Cause we're helping the kids, but these parents need a lot of help. And we would laugh because that never happened, of course. But right. over a time period with me helping and speaking to kids, um, I decided I wanted to make a transition to try to partner with parents and help mm. parents because I really felt I could get more bang for my buck. That doesn't mean that there aren't I, some of my greatest heroes are people who were hanging out with kids. Yep. But as I got older, I felt like I had more credibility. Uh, and so I started talking on, on marriage and parenting and Homeward where I'm president of Homeward. Uh, we meet uh, our strong, our board values are strong marriages, competent parents, empowered kids and healthy leaders. And so mm. that's put all of our, all of our energy, all of our content, what I'm writing or speaking on is going to be through those, through the grid of those, of, of those values. And we made a change. We made that switch and uh, never looked back and uh, absolutely privileged and love wow. it. Wow. I love that. Well, you mentioned baseball. I have to mention this. One of the great reasons to live where I live in the Tampa area is I'm, I'm literally within, you know, an hour of seven major league spring training parks. So. <laughs> absolutely. I, I honestly, I have been in Tampa. I actually watched the Yankees play in spring training there one time I happened to be speaking and they said, would you like to go to a very nice dinner? The Yankees are happened to be playing and they were playing the Dodgers. I go, the Yankees and I'm a Dodger fan. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I went, Oh, can I pass on the dinner? I'll go to the game. And it was, it was awesome to, to do it's that. Incredible. And my brother played, like I say, for the White Sox. So he played in, at that point, they were based in Sarasota, Florida. Oh yeah. So uh, we made a couple of, when I was a young kid, cause my brother is quite a bit older than me. Uh, so I was like junior high. I, I'm, we made the trek to, you know, Florida. My first time I ever went to Florida was to see my brother play in, in Sarasota. It was fun. Wow. That's fun. Well, shifting to, you know, parenting in 2023. So is it a bit of an overstatement? Am I wrong? Would you correct me a little bit or word it differently? Is parent, is parenting in 2023, you know, more difficult, harder, different kind of difficulty, you know, than past generations? Is it just another level of hard? I mean, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, I actually think it is. Now, mm. I'm not sure that previous generations would say necessarily something different. They might right. go, you know, it's hard. Like my my parents, you know, I can't believe he's wearing long hair. He's wearing blue tennis shoes. You only wear white or black tennis shoes. Um, I can't believe that music he's listening to, the Beatles, you know, things like that. <laughs> so again, they had their issues, but I think it's much more complicated. When you start bringing up, um, social media, when you bring up the greatest distributor of porn is, you know, a, a, a cell phone. Yep. Um, and it's starting at age 11 for boys. It's 10.9. You can Google me on this for girls. It's in the 11. So, mm. you know, things changed. Um, it's, it's much more, um, uh, difficult in my humble opinion, but I don't think parents. Oh, I mean, I think they, in every generation, they've thought it was hard and it is, yeah. it's not easy. It's, I was telling my daughter yesterday. I go, you know, it is the greatest thing that has ever happened in my life. She was talking about how hard it was to be parenting a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. 
And I, I just said, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And also, you know what, Christy, it's the hardest thing. Mm. And um, I, I would say Kathy and I have had more, you know, communication arguments about this. We don't always agree. We still don't. Um, I'm writing books on it. And she's like, ah, I don't think so. You know, kind of thing. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but at the same time, even this weekend with all of my family together, uh, I mean, it, it doesn't get, I, I, we were by a pool and I put my arm around my wife and I go, you know, they're all just hanging out. We're just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I go, does it get better than this? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. I just had a contest with my seven-year-old grandson. His name's James named after me. And, you know, it was just, I kept throwing him into the water. I mean, we're in the water. I'd throw him up and then I'd throw it up again. And he just kept going. And after a while, I'm like, I'm dying here, James. It's like playing football. You got to understand, but it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it's harder. And I could probably name uh, 15 things that is going on with our culture, going on with other things. One of the hard things that people miss, though, is that if we come from a dysfunctional family, when we're thinking about communication, like my dad was an alcoholic mm. and he was a functioning alcoholic. He was a good guy. I mean, he wasn't a bad guy. He was just an alcoholic. Yeah. So he didn't really know how to communicate. You know, he didn't know intimacy. Intimacy means connection. Mm. And not too many years ago, I was helping one of my mentors. His name is Neil Clark. Warren. He was the founder of eHarmony.com. Mm. And what people realize is we went to the same grad school at Princeton. Um, he has a great Christian uh, heart for marriage. He's a marriage expert. People don't know that about him. Everybody knows him because they saw commercials for years on eHarmony. Right. But we were talking about communication. He said, you know, Jim, communication is a learned trait. And I went, unpack mm. that for him. He goes, well, you know what? You learn communication uh, from your parents and you imitate them and whatnot, but it is a learned trait. So you can mm. be a better communicator. You know, that was a game changer for me when it came to my relationship with Kathy and my relationship with my kids, Yep, uh, parenting, marriage, um, that when I realized it was a learned trait, I went, wait, I need to be investing in how to communicate more effectively. And, uh, I, and I thank Neil for that. I mean, Neil, we were just sitting having lunch one day uh, in the lunchroom at eHarmony. It's a big, big office. And I did exactly what you did. You just wrote some things down. And yeah. I just went, Let's come in. I pull out my phone and I go, I'm not looking at you know my latest social media. I'm, I'm writing communication. Yes. And it changed my life. I'm speaking on wow. it this weekend on a marriage conference. Wow. That's incredible. I, yeah. I can remember. So my wife and I have five, five kids. Uh, the oldest will be 23 tomorrow. Uh, 21, 18, uh, 15, and then we have a nine-year-old uh, who we adopted from China about six years ago. So kind of the gamut. But I can remember, you know, 12, 15 years ago, the kids are super young, and we just kind of woke up one day and went, I think our marriage is just kind of about kid management. Yeah. Like, there's, we don't talk about anything other than just who's taking kid to soccer practice, who's doing this, and we lost the communication, be, yeah. you know, betw- between us, you know? Um, how important is it to be on the same page with communication as your spouse, especially as you're parenting? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think we make a decision somewhere along the line and we have to do course corrections. And one of them is that we do. So many of us have child focused marriages because you almost have to. It's like mm. he has to get them to soccer pa- practice. Yeah. But the interesting side to it is I think we have to be very intentional and, and proactive about it. Now, I think some people think they should be 100 percent in agreement with everything. I don't think you can be. I mean, Kathy mm. and I are pretty good. And I think we're like 80%. Yeah. Um, in terms of in agreement, but we had to be proactive. You know, I tell people read a, read a parenting book a year, 
um, read a marriage book a year. The reason I do that is because that helps you get on the same page with a, what I'm going to call a paper mentor, right? Mm -hmm. So, so now if, if Kathy and I have read the same book or, or whatever, now we're, 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 you know, and I'll might even say, I don't agree with everything on that one. And she goes, I, I get that. But yeah, so again, we're going to agree quite a bit of the time. And then I think we have to be practical about what we're, how we're going to do that. So, you know, I think you do it on a regular basis. I think you, you have to, the kids are fine. Nobody's going to die for the next 15 minutes. We're going to get together and we're going to communicate what something on a higher level than soccer practice or, um, who's going to pick up you know, the, uh, burger, uh, you know, for dinner or whatever. And that that's really hard to do because again, we're so into what's going on with the kids and, and life in doing that. Sometimes in marriages, we bury some of that stuff under mm. the mat. And then one day wake up when they, like, as soon as we became empty nest, we went, Whoa, Whoa, we've got some stuff we need to work on here. <laughs> because we buried it and we didn't realize we buried it. So, right. But when you're proactive to it, uh, you know, we often tell people who are uh, married, go on a go on a date every every week. And we know that's complicated with babysitting and all that. But would you give your spouse one percent of your time? Yeah. But during that, communicate and and talk about what's meaningful to you and share more soul to soul. At the same time, um, find times when you can kind of work on the calendar and other things. Like for example, for Kathy and I, she always wanted to work on our calendaring with our kids, soccer practice, that kind mm. of stuff. 10.30 at night. I'm like, oh man, I'm dying. Bed is not for right. communicating about your practice. It's for sleeping or doing that other thing we could talk about on another show. That's a form of communication too. Another story <laughs> of what you do in bed. But the point that I'm saying is what we did was we started having a summit meeting. So, you know, here we started doing date nights, but we also took our, what we called our summit meeting, which is kind of our business meeting. The business meeting was who is going to take Heidi to gymnastics on Saturday mm. and how we're going to work that out and how are we going to pay for the insurance and, you know, just naming things. Yep. And we found that much better for us to have those kind of conversations for us, weird time, I realized, but like seven o'clock in the morning at Starbucks, we still do it and we don't wow. have to, we're empty masters now, but we still right. do that because, you know, I, and I, it's funny, I use a yellow notepad. Kathy uses, she's gone high tech on me. She uses her iPad. Um, somewhat sarcastically that I'm saying, you know, that I use a yellow notepad. So we, <laughs> ready for her, she's ready. And there are times when we have to talk at 1030 at night on other things, yep. but more you can do that proactively than not just on the side or now you're not, not in the middle of chaos. Yep. The, that's good communication. So communication is intentional about, you know, really literally covering those kinds of things as a parent. And, um, and I think, you know, the stages are different, you know, when they're younger, you're not taking them to soccer, but you're so exhausted, just, you know, shuffling them around. And then it gets to back to taxi driving or their school homework, or how are we going to handle this? The more you can talk together, um, not in the heat of the battle, but on the side, the more you can talk together, I think the better the communication is. Mm. Wow. That is so good. I mean, so many, you know, I've been there, we've, we've all been there. You know, spouses, we choose if it's healthy or unhealthy communication, <clears throat> you know, so often we like, oh, I'm going to the, you know, the unhealthy communication or I don't communicate, you know, anything at, at all. Right. And it's just so important to make sure, I mean, what you, what you just nailed there, like it's so much better to just have that continual communication 
you know, to be able to do. Well, and you know, sometimes we don't know. I mean, I didn't realize I was building walls in my communication with Kathy. And the big walls for me was uh, being defensive. Well, that's, that totally ruins it. I had to ask the question for my marriage, which relates and leaks out, of course, to my parenting was, do I want to be right? Or do I want to, you know, get, you know, work through this solution? And so a lot of times I had to realize I don't have to be right to, uh, and in fact, if I was right, I was going to be defensive and tell her what was wrong with her and on and on. I had to learn to, to keep my mouth shut sometimes on it and not be right. Yep. You know, really uh, the question I had to always ask was, does it really matter? I think that's a good question for kids and for, mm. for your marriages, but you know, like Kathy's tends to be a per- I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. So she'll, I'll have a shallow conversation with everybody at a party. She right. will have one meaningful conversation. That's life-changing sitting on the couch <laughs> with one like woman. Right. Yep. And, uh, and it drives me nuts, but I had to go, wait, I love that about her. And does it really matter that she didn't meet everybody um, like I did? Well, no, she had a much more effective. I mean, Kathy's tends to be more detailed. I mean, so she works harder on our finances than I do. Does it, does it really matter that it takes more time? She's late to church most of the time. <laughs> you know, Edward, does it really matter? See? Right. When I learned that, then wow. that helps my communication because I kind of went, wait, I don't have to always be right. I can, I can be lead to the first song at church and still, you know, God is going to show up and we're going to have a good experience. And I'm not going to be uh, bitter toward Kathy or holding resentment because one more time we were late. Yeah. That wow. But you learn yeah. this. That's right. Learn. That's right. So when uh, parents then have to communicate with their children, you know, what are some uh, best practices, you know, yeah. for that? Because, I mean, if we're on totally different pages, if, you know, one is communicating one thing behind the other's back, you know, right. give us some, yeah, some best practices when it comes to that. Well, you do want to try to be on the same page as much as you can. So united, yeah. we stand, divided, we fall. Wasn't there like a song in the 80s? You were an 80s guy. You know, I think there was a song, you know, kind <laughs> of saying that. So we can be as united as we can. The yeah. only way to be united is for us to kind of do the work ahead of time. So, you know, what are kids... Back in the day, years ago, I mean, this is crazy, late 80s, I was, I'd written a book that's still the D.A.R.E. program for the country of Australia. With I wrote it with my friend, Steve Arterburn. It's called uh, Drug Proof Your Kids. So I was doing a lot of drug and alcohol intake for kids. And I'd say, do your parents give you expectations? And all the kids would go, no. Mm. And then I'd ask parents and they would say, yes. Well, apparently there was a disconnect. So what I found was that the parents actually assumed kids understood what the expectations were. So what I'm saying today is, no, we need to have meetings never in the heat of the battle. It never works. Right. I don't care if they're new or if they're the age of your kids. Yep. But outside of the heat of the battle, what are the expectations? And then you have something, you know, you kind of have like a plan. You know, we parent by circumstance and chance. Yep. Well, typically then that's when our, our I think you called it unhealthy communication styles come out. That's when we're at our worst, when we're parenting by circumstance and chance. Mm. When we know what we're expecting from them and when they know what we're expecting, you know, that works better. So what does that do? Well, it takes more time. I mean, we did something that I was telling a group last week that was helpful. Uh, some guy told us this and we just imitated it. And so it's not our idea. But every six months we would go, we live by the beach here in California. We would go down to the beach. We would take our little yellow notebook, Kathy's iPad. I'm pointing to my iPad. I don't know why here. As if somebody can see. But um, we would write down, what do we want to communicate with our kids about sex education, about morals and values, about mm. spiritual faith, about uh, rules of the house, about, you know, whatever it was at whatever stage. And then 
we'd go within the next six months, let's have this conversation. And sometimes it was awkward because I mean, I remember on sex education, oh gosh, you know, we need to talk to the girls about X, Y, Z, right? And different sexes. And all of a sudden there'd be something on the television and Kathy would look at me and she'd take the remote and go, Boop. and yeah. I'm like, now's the time. And you're pointing to me, right? You want me to talk to her about that subject, right? Well, you right. know what? That cool. Because we would then, we're list people enough where we would check off the list. Cool. We had that, co- you know, we had the conversation about inspiration point. Fine. Yep. Boom. Good on. Uh, but I find that parents never do that. And mm. if they would, it really is a game changer. Yeah. Um, if they take that kind of time. And, and again, I think it's a wise idea to do it with their, with their marriage as well. I mean, I said yeah. to Kathy last night, we were coming, we'd come back from the desert. We were at our home and I said, look, at, I just need to get a handle on the next two weeks because it's kind of, there's some travel in my life and whatnot. And I go, I need to get a handle on your schedule for the next two weeks and my schedule. Yeah. I go, this should take five minutes. Honestly, Kathy rolled her eyes. My daughters all rolled their eyes and I just kind of went, okay, it's not. Well, she takes off on something else. And I'm like, right. hey, wait, this is my five minutes. I could do this in five minutes, right? But you know what? It was really good because now I have a handle on what our schedule is for the next two weeks. Yep. It was good for her too. She doesn't like that meeting. You know, oh. she doesn't want to do that, but she came in, you know, she opened up her, um, you know, her schedule. I opened up my schedule and we walked through each day. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times we go, okay, so any, anything for March 7th? No. Okay, good. March 8th. Boom. And. I don't think parents do that. Ah, yeah, again, absolutely. It's, it's this breathless pace in which we live our lives, but we don't take time to be proactive enough. So yeah, I think it's key. That's amazing. So uh, children today, I mean, younger and younger are so much more in the communication. No, yeah. you know, their knowledge base is so, in, you know, increased, you know, our right. youngest is nine. Uh, he's autistic. He's on the spectrum, has you know, uh, a multitude of sensory disabilities, anything loud, it can't haircuts are, you know, bright. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot of things, but if you put that iPad in front of him, I mean, he's so focused and yeah. you know, he's, he's able to do that. So, you know, how important is it for parents to protect, you know, their children from this communication overload that's available to them? Yeah. Well, I don't know that parents are, uh, sometimes they, hinder it because they're using it as a babysitter or whatever that yeah. ipad yeah or the phone. Uh, and and i am laughing about your situation because my wife spent her entire adult life helping kids who are on the spectrum that she mm. taught at a school and whatnot and one day she was having trouble with her iphone and i said um i said well you know what maybe i can take it into it she goes why i've got ryan ryan can do it and ryan was like nine same thing <laughs> and ryan fixed her iphone and it was just hilarious yep. Ryan's late night. Give me a break. She goes, oh, no. he's, he's better than your IT people. I know your IT people, but, uh, but yep. yeah, I, I think we have to, Homeward has a uh, seminar where the large provider of parenting seminars in the U S and our, uh, one of our most popular seminars is called creating a media safe home. Hmm. So my parents, they were concerned because we had a very long line on my landline phone, our landline phone. And I would take it into the bedroom and I would talk to my girlfriend, you know, in my bedroom and that right. drove them nuts. Right. Well, today, because of things like social media, because of the uh, young ages that we have our kids on media, and frankly, they, they almost have to be because school is making them be too. So they're yeah. now experts. Yeah. Um, I think we have to be very careful and we have to create media safe homes. For example, I wouldn't give um, 
a young child a phone at a, at a young age. I might have a family phone, right? But I probably have, um, you know, I mean, the 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 iPhone is 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 a supercomputer connected to the world, right? So I probably wouldn't give that to a young child. Um, I love Wi-Fi. I mean, I love Wi-Fi, but I'm not sure that Wi-Fi in the entire house you're going to have it. But I'm not sure that doing their homework always in their bedroom at 15 with their room closed. Uh, that doesn't mean they're all going to be on porn, but it could be. But right. it also could mean that they're just gaming. But if they're if you think they're going to do homework for five hours in their room, very few are going to do that. They're going to move to something else. So I think we have to be, I think we have to put kind of some, you know, rules and expectations when it comes to media. Yep. And I think they have to earn the right to to move to the next part. So I think you take media use and abuse, if you would. And at a certain age, you give them a little bit. If they do fine, then great. You give them the next. But they don't get it by a certain age. They get it by a certain responsibility. Mm. So the bottom line is teaching your kids to become responsible adults. Your nine-year-old, basically, the bottom line is, as a parent is to teach him to become a responsible adult one day. Mm. I mean, that's when you're thinking, wait, he's nine, right? But really, that's our job. And in doing that, I think part of it now is media has to be a part of the, you know, thing we, we used to talk. We, I mean, my, my parents didn't think about media as much. Right. I mean, they maybe made me turn off the television or that landline was bugging them because it was in, in my room. That was it. Yeah. Well, today so much is being bombarded at them. And, uh, you know, the, so, so use filters, uh, I mentioned porn earlier, you know, in the podcast, I mean, my gosh, Kids are going to see porn at a very young age. Yep. So not only does that mean we have to be careful and teach them, you know, how to manage our how to how to manage their uh, their devices, um, but but even addiction to advice devices, and also then we we have we have to be the ones who take the lead. Take for example, sex education. All studies show that the more positive, value centered sex education kids receive from home, the less promiscuous and the less confused they'll be. Isn't that interesting? So what that means is where are they getting their sex education today? They're getting it from what you and I are staring at right now, their computers or their phones. Yep. So we have to be able to, and, and if they see pornography, we have to say, you know what, honey, it's not this, it's this. And then we teach them a healthy way of looking at, at yeah. sex education. So we use even some of the negative for the positive, but, uh, you know, we can't create a bubble. This is in 2008, all the way back to 2008 is when kids move from, viewing television the most to, to looking at media the most yep. and it's never going to go back it's how yep. they this generation they're going to date that way they're going to one out of four get married that way we're going to work that way they're going to yep. shop that way yep uh, and and so again as parents we have to become students of the culture and one of the distinctives of this culture of this generation is that they um they are influenced by technology mm. in every way yeah you yeah, can't just say don't. You're not going to be influenced. Don't be influenced. Well, you're going to be influenced, right? And it's not going anywhere. Like, <laughs> right. right. Um. So when it comes to our parenting, and we'll, you know, we'll kind of turn the corner a little bit. You know, do you have any do you advice or best practices for, you know, just how we as parents can speak to our children in healthy ways? You know, some ongoing practices, some things to remember as we communicate with our kids. Well, I think we have to take the back to the devices. I mean, we have to put the devices down and actually talk face to face. Yes. You know, one of the things that we started early with, uh, with our family was that we had a, a no phone rule in the car. And so we had a little bucket and they'd put, and you know, one time all of my girls were, you know, of course they had phones and 
Kathy and I had phones. And so we have like five phones going on in the car and nobody's talking because everybody's on their phone. So we just had a bucket and we, just, you know, they, and the kids, the younger they were, the easier it was, you know, yep. if you ask a 17 year old to do that, they're going to go seriously, you've yep. got to be kidding me. But for us, we started, you know, we, we, the car was a time to talk dinner yep. time. So are there times when you just put your devices down? But I think we have to be more proactive. I love the kind of a new generation of parents are taking their kids out on dates. Mm. Um, you know, on a regular basis, it takes a lot of time. You know, you got five kids. So, you know, you start talking about, you're talking about five to 10 hours a week. If you're going to do it on a weekly basis, I get that. That's a lot of time. Right. And maybe it can't be that every week, but it could be every other week. But I think those are the times when you're interacting and, and, and parents can't think, oh, it's not time to lecture them. It's time to interact with them. And, and so in doing that, sometimes you have to put like I used to have to put, I always have a list for my kids. I mean, I still do, but I put it in my pocket. I wouldn't go through the list. And we talk about snow, my, we, you know, kids, my kids are surfers and they, you know, so we talk about uh, surfing, snowboarding. Uh, we talk about how they were mad at the youth pastor at the church because of this or that, you know, whatever it was. And I'm like, no, I, I want to be talking about something more meaningful. I found that those were times where we just, we built a foundation talking about stuff mm. that wasn't as important. Yep. Um, Parents have to do that. Yep. And I get, my, I'm thinking about a single mom right now who has three kids. That's a, that's a tough one because Ooh. for her to do that, but guess what? She does it. And you know what? We, we go, we will babysit for you. We'll do whatever for you to get some individual time with your kids. Yep. Um, not easy, but I find, so, so what I'm saying is if you want to communicate with them, lean into it, yeah. but be face base and don't expect everyone to be, you know, joyously easy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this was, I mean, our, our time has just flown by um, and we barely scratched the surface. I mean, this was just absolutely incredible. Uh, before I let you go, I would love to ask you some rapid fire questions. So, you know, our listeners can continue kind of getting to know you and, and to do that. So uh, first question is, do you have like a favorite parenting book that's kind of your go-to or you recommend to people? You know what? I, I have an old time favorite and I have a new time favorite. So one okay. is The Blessing by Gary Smalley and John Trent. Gary Smalley was like a mentor to me. He's passed on now, but it's a 25 year old book that was the book for Kathy and I, and I still think it has great value. Um, you know, my next book right now I'm really liking is uh, Andy and, and Sandra Stanley's new book on parenting. Um, I wrote an endorsement for it. I consider them friends. And this is more at 10,000 feet. So it's more of a strategy. Some parenting books are strategies. Some are like you know, practical. Yeah. And this is a little bit more strategy, but I like where they were going. I know them. They're good parents. I always look at the people, um, like Gary and John Trent, same way, amazing dads, uh, their wives are amazing. Why, you know, amazing, uh, uh, mothers and same with Gary. I mean, same with Andy and, and Sandra, just wonderful people, but it's a brand new book. It came out last month mm. and, uh, so that's their new parenting book. And, and yeah. I'm really happy that it's, it's getting a good takeoff on Amazon and some of the other, uh, you know, platforms. Yeah. Uh, second question. Do you have a kind of a go-to podcast or YouTube channel that's, you know, learning for you or guilty pleasure or just something that you really enjoy? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll stay with Andy Stanley. I, I watch Andy Stanley. I mean, I love my pastor. I love our pastor, but I watch Andy Stanley, or at least I listen to him as a podcast. Um, a lot of times I'll just, I'll just put it on my, in my car and, you know, listen to it as I'm going. So 
you know, I feel like for a guy like me, I want somebody who speaks to my heart spiritually. Mm. And for me, um, I really, really enjoy him. And, um, and I think, and I love, I mean, I listen to all kinds of podcasts, but that's, that's the one that I'm, I probably listen to three out of the four weeks that he's speaking. I'm listening to him. Wow. And I like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Last one, kind of a fun one. Uh, you more of a Chick-fil-A person or a PDQ person? And do you have, I wonder if you have PDQ out by you. Yeah. I have no idea what PDQ ah, is. What is it? It oh, is no, a kind right. of an, another chicken restaurant that's well, trying to, yeah. you know, capitalize on the, the yeah. amazingness of Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Well, I love Chick-fil-A and I just, you know, <laughs> Homeward has a partnership with uh, Windshape, which is the Chick-fil-A foundation. So not only do I love Chick-fil-A, uh, but I love what they stand for and who they are and how they spend their money and, you know, the owners and whatnot. So I'm pretty excited about Chick-fil-A. It'd be hard. I don't, I haven't tried PDQ, but I will the next time I'm in an area. <laughs> um, but, and that'll be hard for me because I actually, if I'm, uh, you know, we didn't get, California came very late to the game with Chick-fil-A. Right. So you know, it's fairly new for us this way. But if I'm in a, in the South, I, I will go through a Chick-fil-A just because uh, I can. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Love chick well, goodness, thank you so incredibly much for just spending some time with us today. I know that this is going to help so many leaders who, you know, they're trying to lead in their workplace or their small business or wherever they're at. And, you know, there's all of this stuff going on with their parenting and their communication with yeah. each other. And, you know, yeah. just no, really appreciate right. this. That's why I love what you're doing. I find that I have a chance to speak at a lot of businesses and whatnot. They bring me in as the family guy, which is really rare because they're usually talking about other business type things. Right. And it's all... The one that they end up, you know, engaging in the most, they tell me anyway, engaging yep. in the most because a lot of leaders are really good at doing what they do in their workplace and they don't do as well with, with family. Right. And, um, and I find that the best leaders are people who actually back off a tad bit with some of their business so that they can also be incredibly effective uh, parents because in the long haul, they're going to finish well, not with whatever happens in their business. They're going to yep. finish well with their family. And, uh, and also there are even soul care. So, uh, yep. it's a, I love that you're, you're stepping it up and, and taking this, uh, you know, out to the, to the business world. So key, so critical, well, so needed. Well, tell our listeners where we can, you know, find you online and, and your resources and things like that. Homeword.com, H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.com. And it has, you know, all the, uh, resources that we have, like I say, all of our resources are connected and there's blogs and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. They're all connected to those four values of strong marriages, confident parents, empowered kids, healthy leaders, mm. and uh, pretty excited about what we're doing at Homeward. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you again. Really appreciate your time and, uh, you know, just really appreciate this. So great. Well, good to be with you, Jason. Absolutely. Take care. Okay. Well, and thank you everyone for joining us on today's podcast. What an honor to have Dr. Jim Burns. And I hope that this conversation was very helpful with your marriaging and your marriages and your parenting. Uh, just a reminder before I let you go, uh, if you are in a workplace or your, your team uh, company culture has been struggling with the communication with each other, if your unity, if your staff morale, if the productivity seems to be down, uh, maybe it's because the healthy communication is really not where it needs to be. And so one of the things Speak With People does is we come alongside of you and helps assess where your communication culture is. And so we would love to help elevate uh, the importance and practice of healthy communication 
and walk alongside of you. So just email uh, me, jason at speakwithpeople.com, and we'd love to get the conversation going. Well, thank you again. Again, this podcast exists because we believe that uh, healthy communication is oxygen to our relationships and our leadership, and we hope that this inspired you to choose to communicate in healthy ways. We will see you next week. Thanks again for downloading and listening and uh, sharing this with friends and family. And we'll see you next week on the Speak With People podcast. Thanks.